Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one. John chapter 7, and then we'll go to John chapter 8, then we'll go to the book of Deuteronomy. Are you ready? John chapter 7, find verse 37. The Feast of Tabernacles is what I'm preaching on. Toby, thank you so much. We deeply appreciate you. John 7, verse 37 to 39, reading from the New King James. Are you ready? On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart or out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom these believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Go to John chapter 8 and find verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Turn all the way back to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 16, and find verse 16. Three times a year all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place where he chooses, at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, at the Feast of Weeks, and at the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of what? The Feast of Tabernacles. And they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Every man shall give as he's able according to the blessing of the Lord your God, which he has given you. Father, thank you for what you're going to do, how you're going to do it. Release living understanding. Pour out your spirit. Say everything you want to say. We yield to you. Come on, just lift your voice and ask God to speak to you tonight. We yield to you. And thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Ushers, you pass those notes out and you may be comfortably seated tonight. I want you to think for a moment what causes you to celebrate. What causes you to celebrate. And just for the sake of passing notes out, uh, can we double up on passing them out, please? Thank you so much uh, for the sake of time. I want you to think about what, what causes you actually to, to, to get happy. Somebody said, cash. Cash makes me get happy. <laughs> Come on, what, what causes you? I mean, I, I think all of us like that. That's great, but that's not the ultimate for me. Maybe, you know, maybe, uh, you know, basketball season soon starting. Didn't start yet soon. Right around the corner. Preseason right now. Football. Some of you are real football fans. Any football fans out there? All right. Are you excited when your team wins? Excited when that piece of pig skin, that unsanctified. <laughs> when the pig skin goes through the set of uprights, that make you happy? I heard one person say the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. I thought that was completely unbiblical, but it might be true, Pastor Karen. My wife makes the most incredible soup, and there are times when I have had her soup. She all kinds of different soups she makes. 
And it, it's, it's one of the great things about going into winter. Soup season, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I've been touched by the Holy Ghost by eating some of your food. And uh, Daniel would say amen, but he's upstairs, and Hannah would too. We had uh, some guys come and help us at our house with some sheetrock uh, a number of years ago when we first moved in and renovated our home a little bit. And uh, I remember the guy was, it was one of these guys who was very um, metered. He wasn't an excitable type of guy. So we, they had worked and we served them dinner. So he's sitting there and he's eating and I see this look on his face. It's just like, he's like. And he finally says after about half the bowl, he says, you know, I'm going to say it. That is the best bowl of soup I have ever had in my life. I just want to face like he had tears in his eyes. He was, he was touched. What causes you to rejoice? Think about that. I think the number one thing for me is, is when the Lord touches me by his spirit. I mean that with the most sincerity. When I see lives changed, when I see people turn from darkness into his marvelous light, there's nothing quite like that for me. When I see hundreds of people coming to Christ and people getting a hold of the truth of God's word, people forsaking the world and, and forsaking the world and forsaking sin and going after Jesus and really getting a hold of the principles of how to walk in victory, how to walk in power, that, that really makes me rejoice. When I see God bring forth the very thing that he said he would, it, it's exciting for me. God wants us to have a time, I'm writing the notes, I think everybody's got them. God wants us to have a time of rejoicing and celebrating, especially over the things that he's done. Don't ever lose that in your life. Think about what, you've, what he's done for you. And regularly, on a regular basis, thank him. Rejoice over it. Rejoice means to spin like a top. Rejoice about it. Celebrate about what he's done. And, and that's what the Feast of Tabernacles is all about. What? The Feast of Tabernacles is all about that. It's a celebration that took place after the Jewish New Year and five days after the Day of Atonement. Day of Atonement at one Just preach that. Yom Kippur, unless you're using a proper pronunciation, which I'll do better at, Yom Kippur. Somebody say, is that Yom Kippur? It's the Day of Atonement. It's, 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 it's the one day. It's also called the fast. I just preached on it. And all of that is available on kcalaska.com or on Spotify or on YouTube or on, uh, on the web stream or on Facebook or uh, other modes as well. The Day of Atonement and then five days later comes the Feast of Tabernacles. It's also called the Feast of Ingathering. The Feast of what? In gathering. It's when the harvest of wheat, barley, grapes would all be brought in from the field and it would all be up in the barns, all be up in the, in the place of storage for the winter. It was a great time of celebration. Did anybody farm around here? You ever grow up throwing bales of hay? You ever grow up harvesting potatoes? You ever grow up doing any of that? It is very, very hard work. And when you're done, there is nothing like being done. Does anybody know what that's like? You're just like, yes. I mean, you just, you know, you want to have a hoedown. Amen. You just want to, you know, like, I, I, that's probably when the head square dances. Woohoo! We're done. That's what the Feast of Tabernacles is. It's this, this time of incredible celebration. In Exodus 23, 16, it's this, the celebrate the Feast of, of Ingathering. Jews were commanded, listen to this now. Some of you need this word right here. 
The Jews were commanded to be joyful at your feast. So in other words, you weren't allowed to be sad. No, think about that. Some of you want to tell your mother-in-law that. Some of you want to tell your husband that or your wife that. I've got Pastor Karen's looking at me. She's back. Praise God. No, but have you ever seen somebody walking around with like, I mean, just with their lips so low they can sung, suck marbles out of a gopher hole? You got everything to be happy. Come on, think about where he brought you from. Think about what he's done for you. You got something to give him praise for. Come on, if you come on, you just don't don't forget. Celebrate. And so literally they're commanded in scripture. They're commanded. The Lord tells them, be joyful. It's not, a, it's not like try to be. He's telling them, put a smile on your mug, get happy. It's a command. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Deuteronomy 16, 15. Seven days you shall keep a sacred feast to the Lord your God in the place which the Lord chooses because the Lord your God will bless you in all your produce and all the works of your hands so that you surely rejoice. But to understand really what that means is since he did it, start smiling, start laughing, be happy. Come on, somebody say be happy. It's literally a command. Wow. Wow. I've never seen that before. There's so many sad sacks. Just come on, praise break. You're like, yeah, I'm sitting next to one right now. They're to rejoice for seven days. And it was a thanksgiving with a declaration. It was a declaration, a thanksgiving for what God had done, but it was a declaration of what God was going to do also. The Feast of Tabernacles. You say, is that important to me? Oh, I, I, actually, I think by the end of this, you're going to receive revelation, unless you've heard it before, but to me, it's, it's pretty fresh and new. And from this, this simple message that I preached to you, applied to your life will bring transformation and change. Listen, we don't have church service here just because we just, just, you know, we have to go so we feel better about ourselves. We, we don't go to feel better about, we're not here to feel better about ourselves. I feel good already. Because of what Jesus has done. We're here to, to love God, to love each other, to have fellowship with him and each other, and to hear the word of the Lord that changes lives. Your life needs to be changed. We all need to grow deeper in God. He wants to bring us into deeper understanding and revelation. Can you say amen? The Feast of Tabernacles symbolized a promise from God. It symbolized a promise from God that, of what he had done, but also what he was going to do. All right. It's also called the Feast of Booths. But the Jews lived in booths during this whole week. And you go to Israel, as I said Sunday, you go to Israel right now, they're in these, these booths and these tents on tops of flat roofs all over Israel. All over Israel, people are camping out for the Lord right now. Why is that? Because it's, it's literally command. And they would take these, these booths made out of palm leaves, willows, leafy branches. It was to remember how God provided for them in the wilderness when they were wandering around, how he brought them into Canaan's land and how he provided for them. It was to, it was to remind them. Many years ago when I first heard that, I thought, you know what, I'm going to camp out. You know, just at my house, I'm going to camp out during the Feast of Tabernacles. We moved to Alaska, and I forgot all about that. Amen. I, I just, I'm camping out in my heart. 
The Feast of Tabernacles is also tied to the seventh year of debt cancellation. It's also tied to that. The what? The seven, you know, some of those, I, I didn't actually study this out, but do you know it's seven years to, to clean all of your debt? Like if you, if you do um, bankruptcy, thank you, seven years and you have a clean slate. Did you know that? I, I think that might come from Scripture, but I don't know for sure. Certainly in Scripture, after seven years, uh, tied to the Feast of Tabernacles was the cancellation of all debts and freedom from slavery. So if you had been a slave, if you, if you sold yourself to pay for your debt, then at the end of the seven-year countdown, then you would be free. So you'd really be celebrating if you were a slave, and it's like, look what the Lord has done, yeah. yeah. You'd be really happy on the Feast of Tabernacles because it means you're no longer a slave. It would then also mean that if you had debt, that you no longer have debt. So how many of you know there were people running around really pretty excited about it? Deuteronomy 31.10, Moses commanded them at the end of every seven years in the year of canceling debts during the Feast of Tabernacles. There, there is this freedom. Here's what he's saying. You'll hear the word and recommit yourself. You're going to hear the word and recommit yourself to obey it. It's a, it really is very, very powerful. Now, uh, some have suggested that the Feast of Tabernacles, I'm teaching you, but I'm soon to be preaching to you because here it comes. The Feast of Tabernacles is also suggested by some to be the most holy feast that there is. You say, what is so significant about the feast? Well, Jesus, first of all, fulfills all of them. And we're going to look at this here in just a moment. The Feast of Tabernacles is the only feast that's celebrated during the millennial reign. Um, I got that right? No, I'm going I'm to say it this way. The Feast of Tabernacles will be celebrated during the millennium. And you can see that in Zechariah uh, 14, 16 through 19. So let's look at the text. Uh, Deuteronomy 16, 6 and 17 says you're not going to come before the Lord empty-handed. And the Feast of Tabernacles is a special time of giving, which is also why we've lined up with that. Our giving really lines up with the feasts. How many of you know that? Pentecost, we do a special time of giving then. Feast of Tabernacles, we do a special time of giving then. Anybody know what the other feast is? It's Passover. And we do a special offering at those three times, just like Israel did. That's how we've lined our church up. We figured it was good for them, and, uh, and it's good for us. There are special seasons in God while greater results are able to be had if you can sync yourself up with the timing of God. So Deuteronomy 6, 16, 16 and 17 says, Don't appear before the Lord empty-handed. The Feast of Tabernacles, special time of giving. In John 7, here we go, verse 37 to 39, Jesus is at the Feast of Tabernacles. How do you know that? Well, if you go to John 7, the beginning verses of John 7 says it was at the time of the Feast of Tabernacles. So Jesus is there at this feast at that same time. And um, he does this amazing thing. He fulfills the Feast of Tabernacles by redefining the water offering. The what? You got to get this. So at the Feast of Tabernacles, the priests, and I, and, uh, I didn't study this all out in the, in the minutia, the detail of how this works, but the priest would take a golden pitcher. And I don't know if it's the high priest or one of the priests or one of the ushers. I, mean, I, I don't know. Okay. But they would take a golden pitcher and they would go down to the pool of Siloam. 
Now, when we went to Israel, we went to the Pool of Siloam. Do you remember that? We went there. And do you know what they just discovered last year? They discovered that trail that actually leads down there from the temple. They discovered the actual highway. It's not a highway like we know it, but a, a trail where the priests would come. So when we were there, they had just discovered it the year before. So we saw the Pool of Siloam. And uh, we'll be doing another Israel trip, not this year, but the following year. So if you want to go, uh, you can um, prepare for that. It's, it's costly, but it'll change your life. And so as we, as we were there and saw that, you just imagine the miracles that happened there at the Pool of Siloam. On the Feast of Tabernacles, a priest or an usher or somebody would take a golden pitcher and go down to the Pool of Siloam and take water and bring it all the way back up to the altar area. And uh, when Jesus says, when he, when he quotes that, that passage there, you know, come unto me all you are thirsty, he's redefining that. He's lining his life up with what's taking place at the Feast of Tabernacles. That's amazing. Because Jesus actually fulfills all of those feasts. It's water offering. Each day, a priest would go down, write in your notes now, would go down to the Pool of Siloam and get a quart of water and a golden pitcher. Oh, and they would quote, they would quote Isaiah chapter 12, verse 3, which says this, Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from wells of salvation. So while they're taking the golden pitcher, scooping up the water out of the Pool of Siloam, and they're heading up, they're quoting Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 3. Therefore, with joy, you draw water from the wells of salvation. It comes up with all these palm trees and these branches that surround like a canopy and this water be poured out. Some have suggested also that it ties to, to David who wanted a, um, a, uh, a drink from the well of, the, of Bethlehem. He just sort of mentioned it and some of David's mighty men went and risked their very lives and brought it back and he poured it out as a, as a drink offering. Some have suggested that as an offering to the Lord. It's, it's symbolic that the water they received uh, also of being in the wilderness. So when Jesus says, if anyone thirsts, he's redefining all of that to say that I am the living water is what he's saying to them. Now, that, that you got to know that that's like mind-blowing for everybody there. I'm sure most people didn't catch it, even the disciples, maybe till later they did. And Jesus calls all who are thirsty, all who are thirsty, to come, spiritually thirsty, to come and satisfy your soul. My goodness. He who believes in me. He said it, it started really with uh, John 4. When he talks to the woman at the well, if you would know who's asking you for a drink, I have, I have water that I'll give you. You never come to the well. And she's like, oh, give me some of that. She didn't really understand what he was saying. He promises that those who believe in him streams of living water, symbolic of the Holy Spirit, would come. The whole nature of the feast is more than the physical needs being met. The whole nature of the Feast of Tabernacles is the real desire of your heart being met. Real water, real provision coming from God. So it's, it's profound that he would transform us by the Spirit. He, he's referring to Isaiah 58, 11. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. 
He will strengthen your frame. He's, he's also could be referring to Ezekiel chapter 47 about the, 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 the river that comes from the temple mount there. Also referring to 1 Corinthians 10.4, which the apostle Paul writes to Corinthians and he says, uh, he drank the same spiritual drink for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them. That rock is Christ. These are all types and shadows. So Jesus is the rock from which the water flowed. All of these things are prophetic acts coming to culmination on the day of, on the day of tabernacles when Jesus is standing there that says, come unto me all you are thirsty and I will give you water for your soul that'll satisfy you. I don't know about you, but I tried a lot of different wells before I tried Jesus. I looked everywhere to try to get satisfaction. Oh, I could, like the, the Rolling Stones, it was probably the one song they had right. Can't get, no, 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 no. Yeah, except Jesus, you can. Jesus truly satisfies. Jesus truly heals. Jesus truly fulfills. Jesus will fill that place in your heart, in your soul, that, oh, that God-sized void only he can fill. You can try to fill it with drugs and sex and rock and roll and money. All of that stuff falls utterly short, but Jesus will satisfy. Come on in the house of God. Jesus will satisfy your very soul. goes on in chapter 8, verse 12. And he defines himself as the light of the world. Now this, I, I don't ever remember hearing this. Maybe you've heard it before. But on the Feast of Tabernacles, it's also called Sukkot, there is a great ceremony called the illumination of the temple, which involved a ritual lighting of golden oil-fed lamps in the court of women. And these lamps were huge as in 75 feet high. Okay, let me give you a, 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 just some comparison. Our church is about 40, gosh, 40, I think it's 43 feet at, at its height. Might be 47, I forget. We'll ask Wally when he comes back this week. Okay, 75 feet? Do you have, the, the new church, not this one, the new one. You know when you drive by and you're like, ooh, that's big. That, that's, that's not, it's much bigger than that. So these two candelabras, 75 feet tall, that's big. And they would light them. And it was called the illumination of the temple. In fact, so much light came off of that. These, they're like these huge menorahs. So much light came off of them that they actually lit the city, people say. So when Jesus stands up, when he stands up and, the, and declares, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but I am the light of life. He did it. They say that he did it when they lit the lamps. So you see, there's this whole giant illustrated sermon that's taking place. How Jesus is the one that fulfills the Feast of Tabernacles. It's utterly amazing. I am the light of the world. I mean, you could, take that, you could take that vein of God being light and just run it for a long time. I've just taken a few scriptures. Let me give it to you. Light is tied to God. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 19. The sun will no more, the sun will no more be your light by day, nor will the brightness of the moon shine on you, for the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. John, John 1 and 1. John 1 and verse 4, pardon me. 
In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 6, I'm going to keep going. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came to witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only to be a witness of the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Verse 11, he came to that which is his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God, children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor of a husband's will, but born of God. He's the light of the world. So he's standing there and he's saying, I'm the light. That's utterly amazing. Come on, praise break. Whoa. I mean, that's amazing to me. And Jesus is a light revealing God, revealing the Father to a fallen, a fallen mankind. Jesus is a light which gives mankind new life. Right there in the text we read, salvation. Can you imagine being at that sermon? Can you imagine being at that production? While they're doing all of these things and he's declaring, it's like he's saying, yeah, the light, yeah, that's me. I'm the light of the world. And he's, I mean, it's an illustrated sermon for, for all those who would hear, but hardly anybody, I think, even recognized. It was amazing. That's what's happening in John chapter 7 and 8. Wow. We must follow after Jesus, giving ourselves completely to him. Can you say amen? God's speaking to us so simply tonight. During this time, listen, if you go to this church, you go to another church, get this. During this time, learn, during the feast, learn to sow. I don't care what church you go to. If you move away from, from here or go somewhere else or you're online and your home church is somewhere else, get it in your heart to learn to sow during the feast. Learn to give. Beyond your tithe, learn to give because it's a godly thing that will produce tremendous fruit. Can you say amen? amen. And so it's very, very important. Um, my mama had the great joy of taking care of Esther Morocco for a season, about a year, I think. Is that right? Uh, during a, a time when she was um, just moving into Alzheimer's. And it was, it was quite an experience. And maybe you could testify about that sometime, Mom. Received great impartation from Dr. Morocco's mother, as if I may quote you. And uh, something that she said, uh, Esther Morocco, Dr. Morocco's mother, she was on Social Security. She had a fixed income. She was a faithful tither and, uh, and a giver. And whenever the bucket would come around, you know, when there was offering time, she was always going to give. And, um, and, and Mom, you're like that too. And Dr. Morocco asked her all those years ago, Mom, you're on a fixed income. You've tithed already. You've given substantially. You don't have to give in this offering if you don't want to. She said, Son... The Lord spoke to me that I should never appear before him empty-handed. So don't you tell me when I'm supposed to give when I'm not saying, oh, yes, yes, (laughs) ma'am. And so you could see she always gave. I see my mom doing that too. My mom's always encouraged me that way. Thanks, mom. I didn't always get that. Don't you should never appear before the empty-handed, before the Lord empty-handed. And so this special offering was given along with prescribed sacrifices. It was a declaration, back in your notes, declaration of faith, 
for our God is going to prosper me in the future. Come on, I'm believing. How many of you believe in that God's going to prosper you? Amen. Amen. It, it, don't be ashamed. You're going to believe it for God to prosper you, right? Amen. Believe in God for divine health. Believe in God for the blessing. Believe in God for your whole family to be saved. Believe in God for him to pour out his spirit. Believe in God for a great revival. Believe in God for, for him to prosper you. It all goes with it. Don't be ashamed. There's nothing wrong with it. It's the love of money that's the root of all kinds of evil. Money's just a... That's the Lord right there. He's trying to get you right there. Trying to go, Whoa! Either that or our sound guy's getting touched by the Holy Ghost back now. It's an act of thanksgiving for God has intervened in time and intervened time and time again. I mean, think about how many times God's come through for you. I'm not, my wife and I, we can't count. We can't count, and that is only by the grace of God that we can then recall, oh, do you remember that time, or what about that? I mean, there's thousands, and, th and those are the ones we know about. Never mind the accident that you would have been in that you didn't even see it. Well, the sickness that was headed your way, and God averted it. Or when something was going to happen, and, and there was an angel there that protected you. Well, I think about all the divine intervention in God. It's absolutely amazing. It's looking forward to a time when they'll be debt-free, when they'll be a debt-free and free of slavery and bondage. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. You should work towards being debt-free. Did you know that? Amen. The Bible says, let no debt remain except a, a debt of love. I've, I've seen people you know, use that phrase to then say, well, I'm not going to get a loan on a house, and uh, you know, I'm just going to believe God. Well, praise the Lord for the faith of doing that. I think there's nothing wrong with leveraging and working things out. Come on. Amen. God helped us get a lot of equity in our house. Thank God for the bank. Amen. And somebody else said, yeah, well, that's an ungodly institution. Well, maybe we should start a bank. Well, is that sinking outside the box? We've talked about it. I'm going to have a bank laugh at me. We, had a, we have this incredible idea. You know, a God idea to build our building, and they're like, ha, 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 I don't think so. I'm like, oh, what? It's like, you like Satan's mouth right there. No thanks. Anyway, I've veered a little bit, but, but don't let a debt remain except a debt of love. Amen? Being free of, of every bondage. Thank you, Jesus. Look at four in your notes. God will break a spirit of poverty off of our lives. That's what we're declaring. When you read about the feast, you see, God hates poverty. It's a curse. It's a curse. They never celebrated the loss of all their crops. They celebrated the in-gathering. It's God's plan to gather, gather in. Can you say yes? In light of how the festival is fulfilled in Christ, we're called to reflect his light in the world. That's what we're, we're called to do. We're called to be light in this community. You're called to be a light in your family. Brother Toby, would you come, please? We celebrate the Holy Spirit is transforming us and empowering us to do the works of Jesus in the world. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He transforms and empowers us. Why? To do the works of Jesus all around us. And personally refreshing us and allowing us to refresh others. I didn't preach long to you. It's only 7.15. 8.15. It's 7.15 somewhere. Amen. <laughs> let the Holy Spirit touch you tonight. Let, let the Holy Spirit touch you. 
Come on, the dog came back in. Everything's all right. <laughs> Lift your hands to heaven all across this place. Oh, God. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine. I won't let Satan blow it out. This little light of mine. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.